We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 388. I love our guests today. It was so fun to have them on. We have two beautiful sisters who have you know, started as a thriving equestrian YouTube channel and now have grown to really make a big impact in the horse world. Originally, they started as a YouTube channel and they wanted to bring Black equestrian representation really to the forefront by sharing their journey and their goals, um, which was to introduce the excitement of horses for those outside the horse world. They started as YouTube as their main avenue because it was a way to reach people on a larger scale. But as the years went on, they have expanded and rebranded Sisters Horsing Around to what it is today. So without further ado, please welcome our guests today, Emily and Sarah from Sisters Horsing Around. Hi, ladies. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Absolutely. I am a big fan of your YouTube channel. You mm-hmm. have so many fun videos, um, sisters horsing around. So let's start. Um, let's start with Emily. How did you find, I'm sure being sisters, you maybe have a similar start to the horse world, but tell me a little bit about how you first got started in the horse world. Yes, I am. So actually, our start in the horse world is a little bit different. And that's because even before we got horses, we were all we had always loved horses. And growing up, I'm not quite sure when the love for horses started. I just know that it was there ever since I was really little. And I popped the question to my dad, could we get a horse? And he had said no. So I was like, you know, that's okay. I didn't breach or broach the subject back to him again because I was like, he said no. And I was like, okay. But I told we would I would talk to my sister about horses when she was born. And as she grew up, we was just always into um, seeing horses as we drove by in the fields or just playing with horse toys. And she is the one who broke him down and um he said yes to getting a horse because she had asked for a horse every single birthday, every Christmas. It was no dolls, nothing else, just horse toys for her. Wow. So I didn't get my first horse until I was 17. So uh, when she got her first horse, she was eight and I was 14. So I waited three years to get a horse for myself. So um, it was a little bit of tag teaming going on as far as taking care of the horse and just working together to Make sure we learn everything because when we were when we got into the horse world, we knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so um, we did a lot of learning. Mama gave us a lot of books and magazines and she would let um help us find videos whenever we could. And so it was it was a long, long road, but we got there. That is so cool. Sarah, did you have um, a place for you guys to keep your horses? Were you boarding them? What did that look like when you first started out? So when we first started out, when we first got our first horse, we actually had enough land at home to keep her here. Nice. And so it was really cool to have like my first horse here at the property because we could go outside and see her every day. I will say when we first got into it, we 
we had no horsing background. We had no idea what we were doing. We kind of <laughs> just are like, you know, go with the flow and just come take whatever comes. Mm-hmm. And Allie, that was the name of our first horse. She was an absolute the best first horse because yeah. she was so forgiving of all of our beginner mistakes. She was just like, you know, as long as you feed me and make sure I have water and all those necessities, I'm cool. So mm-hmm. it was really cool mm-hmm. to have her at our property. And that's just kind of how it just went from there. And, you know, it's yeah. actually funny because when we first got her, um, first got Allie, um, we had the land, but we hadn't fenced it off or anything. So we had, when we went for her birthday to go see the horse, we we later came back home and then we got to work. So we had to build, put up the fencing and put build a spot for her to go whenever it rained because it rains oh so much in the winter time so mm-hmm. winter comes in virginia it is absolutely horrible <laughs> so we had to make sure that she, everything was taken care of for her so we spent a whole month preparing to bring Allie the, our first horse home and then once that month was over and we had everything and we brought her home it was just history we it was it so was happy. so funny because we have a tree house and there's a really wide open space under this tree house so we built a stall around this tree house and so the whenever we put the bottom half of the tree house so whenever we went outside to play and Allie was in her stall she was literally right there and she would like watch us from like her spot so I mean she very much became a part of the family very quickly that is so awesome I love that so you you mentioned her as your first horse what um at what point did you start growing the herd a little bit so that was three years after getting Allie so um when Sarah was eight and I was 14 we got Allie and then when Sarah how old was you when I got amazing grace um she was 11 um she, she would have been turning 11 that year and I had just turned 17. And then we got my first horse, which was Amazing Grace. She is a chestnut pinto, and I still have her with me today. And after getting her, that's when our herd started to grow because after, and that's also when we started riding extensively as well. Because mm-hmm. now that we had two horses, it was easier to ride without tiring Allie out. Because um, that would happen a lot when we um, we would both ride her because she was an older horse and sure. we did have t- we did have to keep in mind that since she was older she wasn't able to um, go long hours of riding as much as what we had wanted to do but we was like okay um, Allie we'll make sure you're okay and so once we got Amazing Grace that's when we started collecting getting acquiring more horses and so yeah. five months after getting amazing grace we got sarah's second horse um genesis she's a gypsy banner and we actually traveled all the way down to louisiana to get this horse wow yeah that's so cool sarah i know you guys are multidiscipline riders what what did you start out as and then what other disciplines have you um started learning along the way so what was funny was when we first started, I was very much the Western rider mm. and Emily was very much like the, she wanted to ride English yeah. and we had so many arguments about which one was better. And I was <laughs> hardcore cowgirl. Was. I was like, was. cowgirls are stronger than English riders. We're the best. We get to ride <laughs> on these cool horses. And Emily's like, this riders are strong too. We have to jump in all this other stuff. And I was like, nope. 
cowgirls are stronger. But it wasn't until we actually joined Pony Club that I actually, when I first started writing English, I was like, wow, this is actually really fun. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Ditch the cowgirl. I want to be an English writer. Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm <laughs> writing English. So mm-hmm. I've been... Then we actually switched, and then she started writing Western, yeah. and I started writing English. And now that I've started writing English, I have not looked back. Wow. I want to bend, I want to show jump, I want to ride dressage. I love dressage, mm-hmm. and yeah, we kind of just yeah. made that switch. It's, it's quite ironic, but it it's also very funny. It is really funny because when I, we look back at our videos, we didn't know this at the time when our first trainer was teaching us horseback riding lessons. We didn't have saddles. Um, Sarah had a saddle for Allie, but I didn't have one for my horse at the time. So we, mm-hmm. she taught us to ride on the bareback wow. and with halters and lead ropes. And so she was teaching us, we did finally get a saddle. She was teaching us English lessons, but we didn't know that because we were riding sure. Western. So we thought it was Western lessons. And then when we got into Pony Club and started diving more into the English disciplines, it was a, it was really difficult for me to adjust because I have a limited range of mobility in my ankles. So it really was difficult to shorten my stirrups. And so whenever we would go around, they'd be like, they would look at me and it was like, okay, so um, you've been riding how long? You need to get your heels down. And I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then when they saw me ride for the first time in a Western saddle, they was like, oh, that is certainly your thing. And I was like, wow. So I looked like a Western rider trying to do English and it just wasn't meshing real well. Hmm. Um, Emily, how did you guys start Sisters Horsing Around? What made you get started with that? So that the seed for Sisters Horsing Around actually started soon after we got Allie, our first horse. Our mom had called us down to her craft room and we would often have talks in her craft room. She would give us a lot of life lessons and talk to us about how to do life and how to work and um, be diligent. And so during one of these conversations, she she told us that we were blessed to have horses. And she said, not a lot of kids have the opportunity to have their horse at home. And she had also said, not a lot of black kids have this opportunity. Hmm. And so she wanted us to, to, to bridge the gap and to provide opportunities for other children and other black kids to get into the world of horses. And so um, at the time she was telling when you all get big, which um, I think she, what she was meaning was when you get older and you get money that mm-hmm. you'd be able to do this. But Sarah was thinking, I'm not quite sure what she thought because Sarah just asked the question, why can't we do this now? And so <laughs> when we got another horse, it was a little, and we g- gained more experience. It was easier to put that into practice and bring um that seed into fruition. So in 2018, that's when we started Sisters Horsing Around. And so that's what Sisters Horsing Around was supposed to be, a way for us to share with others the joy of horses and provide them something that we didn't have when we got started, mm-hmm. which was a helping hand and a guide to show us what is the correct thing to do, where do you need to go, and to help us grow, learn and grow. And so that's what we wanted to be for others. Definitely. And I think you offer so much insight into the horse world, especially for people who don't know a lot about it or, you know, want to learn more. And then also kind of like what you were saying with 
um, being two black girls, that that's definitely a demographic that seems to be less in in the horse world. So so tell me a little bit about that dynamic. Um, I there's obviously some incredible black riders that are you know everywhere throughout the sport, all the way to the top of the sport. Um, where do you feel like? What has the response been? What has been the support that you've gotten for being in the position you're in? So I think going into the equestrian world, the the experience was experiences for both of us was different because um, mm. I'm pretty sure Sarah could tell you when she got into horses, nothing else mattered. <laughs> she was just there <laughs> for the horses. Yeah. And so for me, it was a little different because I'm the big sister and I'm the big sister out of all the kids in my family. So I've always um, been on the lookout for things because I sure. just had that big sister personality. Totally. And so her mom would talk to us all the time. She'd be like, you know, um, you could be someone's first experience as a black equestrian. And so she would go through all the nuances of all of that and what we could experience and face and for the most part it was our our experiences was fairly welcoming um and I would attribute that especially to the fact that our mom was really vigilant and if there was ever a problem we didn't really see much of it Hmm. at the time Cause she was always, she was like that guard against it. Cause she wanted to protect us so that we wouldn't feel discouraged in the equestrian world. Right. And so um, every now and then we would experience certain things. They weren't nothing really super bad. It was just little things that culturally it's, it doesn't mean something good, mm. but it's one of the things that we've, uh, we've learned to understand is that, you know, nobody not everyone will know what it's what what it's like to live life like us. Mm. Nobody, not everyone will know what it means to say certain things and what it sounds like to us. Um, I always kind of liken it to how um, there's this movie where um, this this person had said something stereotypically not good to this other person. They was like, you know. Um, it's okay for us to say that, but when someone else says that, mm. it doesn't mean something good. So it's one of those kind of things where, you know, you just try to um, try to help someone else understand that, hey, I understand you was coming from a good place, but yeah. this doesn't exactly mean well when yeah. you say that. So it's just trying to help other people learn and grow and just learning and just knowing that, you know, it will happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Purchasing an international horse is a big investment. You deserve a dedicated partner that can really streamline the process and help you avoid overpaying unnecessary bank fees and high currency exchange rate markups that inevitably come with buying a horse overseas. GPS Capital Markets is here to help and they have decades of experience helping clients from the equestrian industry specifically. Amidst the recent backdrop of inflation and uncertainty in the world, the euro has steadily grown more expensive, but GPS is here to help. For more information about GPS and the services that they offer, visit their website at www.gpsfx.com or call their industry specialists at 714-414-5821 for the best way to save money and time when you need to send foreign currency. All right, let's get back to the episode. Sarah, what if you found, like, as 
Sisters Horsing Around has been growing and you both have been growing. Um, what were what have been like your goals for the platform? So when we first started, it was always like, you know, we want to be like a helping hand to others. And we all, we started really strong in like the educational side. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we actually, we started our second channel and our second um, social media platform, which is called Explore Forces. <laughs> and then that's where kind of like our educational side went. So we okay. have that as like our sister channel. And then for Sister Horsing Around, our goal now has been basically to just be just share the joy of horses like mm -hmm. as we started and then we have these two platforms where we're basically fulfilling our mission when we started mm -hmm. but it's more in like what would be the world um it's more categorized right way. it's more a categorized way mm -hmm. so yeah. for sister around it's basically been just to bring more people into the horse world mm -hmm. because horses are truly amazing mm -hmm. and they're not really something that you see in like mainstream yeah. and that would be like the goal to get horses more into the mainstream and get as many people as possible into the horse world and that has pretty much been our goal mm -hmm. and maybe one day we'll take sister horsing around international you know we might travel and you know do something like that that would I be pretty it. cool oh that's so cool um what do you both do outside of horses what does the rest of your life look like Oh, that's kind of hard to say. <laughs> Our life centers around horses mostly. Right? <laughs> um, so aside for me, aside from the horses, which takes up the majority of my time, I, um, man, <laughs> it, these other things are more like hobbies. So like, I love mm. to read. I love to cook. And I just love being with my family. So that's what I do outside of horses. Love it. Um, for me, outside of horses, like I, I don't know. I'm very much an adventurous type of person, mm -hmm. and I and I love animals. So when I'm not outside with the horses, I am generally with our dogs or our cats because I don't know if I didn't have some sort of animal or pet, yeah. I think I would go insane because I love <laughs> animals so much. But I also really like to do art and write. So, cool. but horses are the main thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's say you have um. Emily, an idea for a video that you want to do on one of your channels. To give me a little bit, give everyone the rundown of the process of film, uh, getting kind of the idea, filming it, putting it together, and then getting it up on YouTube. Yes, yeah, so a lot of times it will start with just as like a bare bones idea. It could be something as like, you know, hmm, I want to start a beginner horse series uh, beginner horse owner slash beginner horse series and then it's just oh it's just a group of words and then I'll expand on the idea and be like oh and this is before I would bring it to my sister or my mom who is also our momager our mom manager and um, I'll think more about it and I'll do a little research and then I'll I'll bring the idea to them and then we'll all tag team on ideas and um, topics that we want to do underneath um, whatever the idea is. And then we will, um, after doing some research and getting together an outline, then we'll go record a video. And then Sarah does the editing, the most of the editing, as far as like putting clips and stuff together. And then I'll come through with my mom and we'll take care of the audio and the color and things like the fine critiquing and tuning. And then um, we'll upload the video. 
Nice. So it, it generally takes a little bit longer than what it says. Yeah. What it takes to say it, but it is yeah. very much a process. It is a process. Totally. Every topic is different. Some topics yeah. are easier than others. If it's something that's just fun and impromptu, it's, it's a lot easier to go out and do it. But if it's something that needs a little bit more delving into the subject, then it'll take a little longer. Right. Definitely. What would you say is an area of the horse world that both of you are really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Um, For me, this passion kind of started when I was younger. And then I kind of maybe like I don't know I think I might have got a bit discouraged in this area and then I like it just started getting rekindled again mm-hmm. when I was younger I had this horse and his his name is Rowdy and he was a very much he wasn't a very pretty horse he was very much an ugly kind of ugly duckling kind of horse mm-hmm. and a lot of people when they saw him they're like man this horse is like but and it was like he really got looked down on mm. and I was riding this horse I had all these dreams I was like I'm gonna jump this horse I want to do all these things and um it got to the point where it was like okay um Sarah you need to get a better horse and at one point we were thinking about selling this horse because he wasn't exactly you know he wasn't built for what I wanted to do and so my mom came to me and she was like you know Sarah I think you're gonna have to just work with what you have And that's how my passion for ranking unconventional breeds or the ugly kind of, un I guess, the horses that you wouldn't exactly expect to see in disciplines like show jumping and and just taking those ugly duckling kind of horses and turning them into swans. And I took, that's basically what I did with Raddy. I took this horse and Mm -hmm. I worked really hard with him. And practically, I took this ugly duckling and I turned him into a swan. And that's kind of been like my passion of just like putting spotlights on unconventional breeds that you wouldn't exactly Mm -hmm. see and showing the potential for them to be in sports like dressage and show jumping Mm -hmm. and eventing. So that would be like my passion. That's like my passion in the horse world. I love that. For me, my passion is Mustangs. Um, I adopted my first Mustang in 2021, and wow. since having adopted her, I have not looked back. I am going full speed ahead with Mustangs. I feel like with Mustangs, I have found my calling and my purpose in the horse world. Really? Um, I have, I've, both of us have always worked with young and green horses over the years, and with being with the Mustangs, it was just, there's, even though they're horses, there's just something different with them. The way they see the world and the way they communicate, it's on a deeper level. It's like, it's really intriguing and fascinating. And when I'm with them, it's just, it's, I find a lot of peace with being with them. And so um, what I really do enjoy training and working with them and um, just being able to, to help them tap into their potential and over the past three years, I have worked with several different Mustangs, both younger Mustangs and older Mustangs. And um, I currently have one, two, four, five, around five Mustangs. Wow. We have a total of eight of, between the two of us. And what I have wanted to do with the Mustangs is just, I want people to see that, you know, 
Mustangs, them being out in the wild, it's it's great. It's amazing. And I would love to go out into out west and see them in their element. But I also understand, and I don't think many people understand this, is that Mustangs were not the original America's horse. What happened with the Mustangs back then was a lot of times they were abandoned, neglected, or they were just completely just turned out loose in the wild. And so they have survived for hundreds of years and on this landscape. And as the landscape is changing and um, it's getting to the point where in some places it's not able to support the horses. And so I would like people to understand that people, these adopters who are taking in these horses, not all of them are trying to send them off someplace to the slaughterhouse or not all of them are like the bad apples, but they really love these horses. And I really love these horses. And so I would like to compete in the future in some extreme Mustang makeover events because that is something that I have always thought was super fun. And yeah, I would love people to see how see just how amazing these horses are because once they trust you, you become their world. And wow. that's something that I've experienced with my own Mustangs here at home. That is so special. And it's such a it's such a cool and and unique process, I think, from Mustang to Mustang, especially the kind of like Definitely. where you end up finding that they are the most comfortable, um, you know, thriving and with their job and that sort of thing. And so I think it's such a cool, you know, thing to also be, you know, showcasing to your community too. It's just like a great way to um yeah. that there's there's so many different opportunities to be a part of the horse world just within Mustangs mm-hmm. because of the variety of what they can do. Yes, ma'am. It is, it is very, there's a lot of movement within the horse world that you can go with these Mustangs. And a lot of times when they find what they really, really good at, they, they, they do tend to enjoy it because they're doing it with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is so cool. Well, girls, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I think your story is so inspiring and so fun and just such a great way for um, other riders or people who are new to the industry or looking to get into it. It's just a great way for people to learn more and to celebrate the sport. So thank you so much, Emily and Sarah, for what you're doing. And I wish you both all the best. Thank you. Thank you so so much much. for having us. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.